We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ivy Nation, welcome to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It's Friday, so that means it is Friday free-for-all time, and, and it's going to be a little solo show today, so y'all are stuck with me today. So I apologize in advance, but I'm going to do my best to give you guys great answers to your great questions. And since there's really not a, not a lot going on in Notre Dame Nation, I'm sure we can just go ahead and dive into the questions. So uh, I want to kick the questions off immediately. I'm sure there's going to be questions that... Uh, about uh, what happened yesterday and everything going on, but I'm ready to talk about everything, and and uh, I'd rather just move on from some of the other stuff. But if you guys want to talk about it, then we can go ahead and get talk about it. So I'm gonna get started here with oh, we got a super chat from Sean S. Unable to watch live much, miss it. Thanks for the endless content you guys provide. IB is elite, by the way, with baseball upon us. Ryan Trey Turner is your doppelganger. That is all go Irish, Sean. Thank you. Very, very much for that. I'm very, you know, speaking of Notre Dame, because I don't watch much Major League Baseball, but speaking of um, uh, Notre Dame baseball, I'm, I'm actually really excited to see what they're going to be under Coach Stifler. Yeah, obviously, Link Jarrett did a tremendous job at Notre Dame, and I'm hoping that Coach Stifler can keep that thing rolling. So, yeah, I uh, I used to get really excited for baseball season. That that stopped, I don't know, five, six years, I guess. But uh, I used to get so excited when pitchers and catchers would report, start getting my fantasy baseball draft stuff ready, and I don't really do a whole lot of that anymore. But uh, I am very curious to see how Notre Notre Dame's baseball team does this year. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our next partner is Athletic Greens. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. I gave AGI a try because I wanted better gut health, sustained energy, immune support system, but I hate taking pills. And I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great, which is helping me kick my sugar addiction. In the morning before I get to work, I like getting something healthy in my body. And with AG1, I'm giving my body the nutrition it craves. It's very important for me to get my day started off with something healthy. But with my schedule, it's hard to prepare healthy meals. AG1 is a very quick way to pack my body with all that I need to jumpstart my day in a very healthy way. Covering my nutritional basis for the day literally couldn't be easier, which is why I trust Athletic Greens. I just mix one small scoop of AG1 with water and drink it first thing every morning. Done. I also like that it costs less than $3 a day. It's pretty good if you ask me. It's a really effective daily habit with the highest quality source ingredients. Win-win. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Irish. That's athleticgreens.com slash Irish. Check it out. Let's move on to the next question. We got another super chat from Hulk Strongest. It says, why does it sound like Tyler has no chance to win the starting job? Do you guys believe he could win it? I mean, we've never said he has no chance. I mean, it, they didn't bring Sam Hartman in to sit the bench, right? And the issue with Tyler is it's not talent, it's not ability, it's not potential, it's just health and development. And and I think with a you know, with Gino Gaduli coming in and Jared Parker coming in, I don't see any reason why Tyler Buckter won't have the same opportunity to start that he would have had before. It's just really about staying healthy, staying focused, staying motivated, and just going out there and being the best of that he can be on a daily basis. And let the chips fall where they may. Does he have a chance? Yeah, but I mean, it, it's going to be a quarterback battle. But it, it, it's one where they they brought Sam Hartman in to to win the job. I mean, they didn't bring Sam Hartman in to sit. Doesn't mean it's a guarantee he's going to play. But you know, I, I'll say this: I, I don't really care who starts a quarterback. I, I, I think both guys have a chance to be really good football players. If Sam Hartman starts, Notre Dame's offense is going to be really good. If he gets beat out by Tyler Buckner, then Notre Dame's offense is going to be really good. But like I said, it, it would be disingenuous of me to sit there and act as if it's going to be a a a quarterback battle like we've seen in the past. Just like I said it about last year, it wasn't a real quarterback battle. That was Tyler Buckner's job to lose, and he didn't until he got hurt. So I, I think it'll be somewhat similar this year, although I would say Tyler Buckner has a better chance of beating out Sam Hartman than Drew Pine had to beat out Tyler Buckner, in my opinion. Got another question here from Quinn Quinn Kibler it says, "Do you think Sam Sam Hartman will earn a C on his jersey? Seems like his gym rat mentality has put him in the conversation. Who else do you see as being a being captains? It's possible he could do that. I'm certainly possible. He was a captain of Wake Forest, and your quarterback is a lot of times your team leader. They may decide they don't want to go that route. They may decide to say, hey, look, we're going to have.'" You know, guys that have been here before be captains. I don't I don't know who those guys would be. To be completely honest with you, I would imagine, you know, Joe Walt, Blake Fisher might have a shot to be captain. Zeke Carroll have a shot to be a captain. 
you know, I, there's going to be other guys that have an opportunity to be captains, but it certainly wouldn't surprise me if Sam Hartman did it, but I honestly don't care either. I mean, I, I look at it like this is you put a C on his chest. Okay, great. It looks good. But he, when they're on the field, he's the captain of the offense anyway. It doesn't really matter. So I don't really care if there's a C on his jersey or not. I just want him to be a leader, and you don't need a C to be a leader. I have a super chat from Brian Richmond. Speaking of baseball, what is your wife's fascination with our Reds? She has a bunch of fans on staff now at Notre Dame. I'm not quite sure. What is it with our Reds? She has a bunch of fans on staff now at Notre Dame. I don't quite know what you're talking about, Brian. I don't know that my wife cares much about the Cincinnati Reds at all. I'm not, I'm not quite sure, Brian. I'm not quite sure. I, I really don't know what you're talking about, to be completely honest with you. You don't mind filling me in? I, I get the Cincinnati Reds, but uh, my wife doesn't have a fascination with the Cincinnati Reds. So um, unless you're talking about, unless you like went to her Facebook profile and saw the picture of it, she just wore that. It was like an opening day, and she had we got a new TV. We had actually gotten broken into, and she set up the new TV when we got a new one to replace it. And we were watching like opening day something like that, I think. But other than that, I don't think she really has much of a fascination with the Reds. She doesn't really follow baseball. Tyler Evans with a super chat. He says, with Gino being our – thank you, Tyler. With Gino being our, our our new quarterbacks coach, what did you like in Cincinnati with Desmond Ritter? And is there other quarterbacks he coached? Me coach Ben Bryant this year. Um, uh, he was okay. Kid that transferred from, from what, uh, what Eastern Michigan. But, I mean, Coach Desmond Ritter for four years, and he was the quarterback's coach from 18 to, to 21, and that's during Desmond Ritter's, Ritter's tenure. He was the running back's coach in 2017. You know, what I liked about what I saw from him with Desmond Ritter is I saw a guy that was very raw, very athletic, had a very long, um, very long, awkward release coming out of high school. You know, strong arm, bad footwork, good athlete, but not real a, a real refined quarterback. And just over time, got him more and more and more refined mechanically. But even when he wasn't refined mechanically, he was able to to have success. I mean, when when you look at his production over the years at, at Cincinnati, I mean, Gino Gadulli ended his Cincinnati career as the school's all-time leader in completions, attempts, passing yards, touchdowns, and total offense. Well, the guy that beat passed him up for passing touchdowns and the guy that passed him up for total offense was Desmond Ritter, the guy that he coached. So even when he was not necessarily the most – say fundamentally sound quarterback he just kept working with him on being a better decision maker and I think that's the thing that changed for G- for Desmond a lot as a senior was he became a much better decision maker I, look I was never the biggest Desmond Ritter fan I think he was a very raw quarterback not the most natural thrower in the world in my opinion but as a senior he complete you know completed uh 64.9 percent of his passes he was like six over 65 percent his last two years which for a kid like him is pretty good in my opinion. He was 8.6 yards per uh, actually yeah, so 8.6 yards per attempt, 30 touchdowns and eight picks and a 158.7 passer rating, which is really really good. So, I mean, for a guy that I don't view as a real natural passer, I think he got a lot out of him. And that's what I liked about what I saw from him at Cincinnati. John A1 with a question. He says, based on what you're hearing so far, do you have confidence that Marcus Freeman and Gerald Parker will land a top O-line coach going into the 2023 season? Uh, it's early yet. I mean, uh, the list I've seen about guys are, I mean, they're, look, they're doing a natural search, national search, right? I mean, and, and I think that's real. I think that's that's a situation where 
I mean, I think Coach Freeman has some guys that he likes, but he also understands that the nature of this position puts the offense and in, in the staff in position to go out and shoot maybe for the moon. Obviously, Chris Watt will be a, a candidate. I think he will be a real candidate, but uh, I honestly I honestly don't know. I, I have confidence that they're going to do it because so far his offensive hires from a position coach standpoint have been been pretty good. And hopefully he'll, that continues. I mean, look, he, you know, Chancey Stuckey was a good hire. Jared Parker as a, as a tight ends coach was a good hire. Dylan McCullough was a great hire. Harry was a great hire. Tommy Reese leaves. He hires Gino Gadouli. I think that was a good hire. So offensively, he's made some good hires so far, and I hope that that continues the offensive line. I know there's going to be a lot of good coaches that want the job. We'll see what direction he goes. I have a quote. Let's see the next question here. I'm going to go to uh, another one from John A1. Which college programs has conference realignment in the modern era hurt the most? Nebraska, Colorado, West Virginia, Miami, Pittsburgh, or other? I would throw Penn State in there, to be honest with you. I I think Penn State's a team that I look at and say, I, I think they've become less of a national brand and more of just a regional team. When it, when it comes to when they join the Big Ten, I don't think the Big Ten is the reason for pitch struggles. I think pitch struggles are their own, or the excuse me, the ACC is the reason for pitch struggles. I just, I think their issues are they don't commit to the program financially. They play in an NFL stadium that rarely sells out. They they don't have the on-campus support that they, they need to be successful. I think that's about them. I think West Virginia being in a conference is really not – done a lot to hurt them i mean they, they've had some good years I, I think the issue with, with west virginia has been more about just bad hires i mean if we're being honest i mean when when, when coach Nealon was there you know they had that year in, in uh 1988 obviously they went 11 and 1 and then 1993 it's funny when notre dame had their two best teams in the whole year also west virginia great teams but you know they had that team in 93 i think jake kelchner was the quarterback who began his career at notre dame but outside of that, you look at Don Nealon's career. I mean, there's a lot of eight, nine win seasons, but there's not a lot of great years. And so I don't think that they've, anything that they've done, you know, since since then has kind of been conference related. I think they had that stretch with Rich Rodriguez where, where they were very good being in the Big East. I don't think going to the, the Big 12 necessarily hurt them and kept them from being competitive because I think West Virginia could have been competitive if they would have made better hires, replacing Rich Rod with Bill Stewart was a bad hire, in my opinion. And I don't mean any disrespect. And I know he's passed away, so I don't mean any disrespect. You know, Dana Holgerson was a, was a you know, did some good things at West Virginia. You know, he had a 10 win season, but he just couldn't really take him to the Rich Rod level because he's just not that kind of coach. But I think that was more about Dana Holgerson than it was them being in that conference. I mean, he hasn't exactly the world on fire in the, in the AAC at Houston either. So don't think he's a great head coach. And then Neil Brown has been a, a bad hire so far, in my opinion. So I think that's the issue more than anything else, as opposed to being in a conference. I think I think the two, the first two that you mentioned, Miami, again, I don't think Miami's problems are being in the ACC. If Miami supported football and hired better coaches, Miami would be one of the two or three best teams in the ACC. Uh, I think that what's hurt Miami is the lack of institutional support, the lack of just embracing the tradition from the institution i think it is has been florida is is not it's just a different animal now kids are more willing to leave than they used to be when they just kind of stayed there but again it's a school that's made some really bad coaching hires 
And I think that's that's done them in. I think going to the, the two schools besides Penn State that I think have been hurt most by conference realignment is Nebraska and Colorado. There may be somebody off top. I think AM, I think it's hurt AM is another team I would throw in there. I, I think AM would be much more competitive if they were in the Big 12. But I think Nebraska and Colorado, because it took their identity away and it took all their rivalries away and it put them in conferences where people just didn't care about them. And I think it, I think it hurt them both. I think it hurt Nebraska more. But I think issues that have happened there are, again, bad coaching hires. But even if you have the right coach at Nebraska, I, I don't think their prestige is the same. Being a Big Ten team, they'll never be on a Ohio State's level as a, as a program. I'm not talking wins and losses. I'm talking about as a program, you know, tradition and all those kind of things. Now you've got USC coming into the mix. It cheapens things for them or it hurts things even more for them. And they're just they're just they're not a Big Ten team. So I think that's hurt them. And then I think the same thing for Colorado. If I was the big if I was the Big 12, I don't know if it's possible, but I would do everything in that I could imagine that I could maybe strings I could pull to try to get those two teams into the into the conference. Because I think it would help that conference quite a bit. It would give them two name programs. It would give them one decent sized market in Denver for Colorado and give them a chance to kind of reestablish some of the tradition that was lost with uh, the teams that have lost. Because remember, you know, Texas was in the Big 12, but they didn't join that conference until like the 90s. They were a Southwest Conference team for a long time. You know, and, and, and so like when you look at like when Nebraska was in the Big 8 Conference, you know, before it became the Big 12, it, it, was, it was Nebraska, it was Colorado, it was Kansas, it was Kansas State, it was Iowa State, Missouri, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma State. Texas wasn't in there. And then when the, when the Southwest Conference kind of blew up and some of those teams went to the SEC, then you saw them kind of bring in uh, – you saw them bring in uh, Texas and Baylor and TC, you know, t- eventually TCU and teams like that. And and so Texas and – you know Texas doesn't have that same Big 12 tradition. These are two OGs of the Big 12 – the Big 8 and eventually the Big 12, and I think not being in that conference hurt them. But, hey, it's their own fault. They made They made money decisions – to join other leagues and their programs have suffered because of it. So I don't have a lot of sympathy for them, but it, I have sympathy for college football because we lost some great rivalries and, and more just, I don't know, more balance from a traditional standpoint in these leagues. I have a super sticker here from Driscoll's Intel poker face. I appreciate that very, very much. He did reach out to me yesterday, said it's not, it's not done in any negative way. I still thought it was funny, even if it was, I, I think it's hilarious. So I appreciate that very, very much. I have a question from Brandon Plesner. Does Notre Dame have an associate head coach or assistant head coach on staff? I do not believe so, Brandon. I'm gonna I'm gonna look up the coaching staff right now. You know, Mike Elson held that role previously, but I don't I don't know that Notre Dame has that. At least it's not anything that I've noticed. Just let me go down to the coaches here, and they do not. Al Washington's just the run game coordinator, receivers coach, tight ends coach, D backs, safeties, corners, running backs. Joe Moore, offensive line coach, special teams coordinator, D coordinator, linebackers, and head football coach. So, no, I don't. I don't think they had an assistant head coach. I think that's something that you could maybe see them use to, you know, maybe get a guy to come in or keep somebody to stay to get them a pay raise. So that's still out there for them to be able to utilize. Good question. We have one from God to Country in Notre Dame. This looks like a two-parter. So part one says, paraphrasing, of course, but you guys talk about Jared Parker 
as being a high-energy guy and his players want to run through a wall for him, that kind of reminds me of Brian Mason. Can you compare coaching styles of Jared Parker and Brian Mason if Notre Dame's offense has similar buy-in than special teams? I, I, I have to think that Notre Dame will be just fine. Thanks. You know, they're, they're pretty different guys uh, right now. And so I, I mean, their personalities are different. Brian, Brian Mason, if I'm going to, if I could, if I could kind of describe it based on what people have said to me, he's kind of like that mad scientist kind of guy where he's, he's a little, he's a little awkward when you're just kind of talking to him, but tons of energy, great coach, really wicked smart and kids respect him and, and play hard for him and all those type of things. Jared Parker is, is a little bit more of a, I mean, he's a former division one football player. He's got a little bit of like that kind of energy to him, like former player energy to him, as opposed to, you know, just the, the, just the ball of exploding energy that Brian Mason can be at times, but uh, they're, they're different in, in a lot of different ways. But I think, I think the core principle is, is that you, they, they do things in mostly a, a positive way. And they'll get on you. They'll be demanding, but it's in a positive way. It's in a setting expectations and nothing's good enough for me yet. I got to, you got to do better. You got to do better. You got to do better, but not in a, like a demeaning way or a, or a really angry type of way. It doesn't mean they won't get after you, but it's just a different type of mentality. Look, I, I'm, I haven't been given the okay to, to share this yet. I was hoping to be able to read it today. I was talking to a, a former player, got some really interesting stuff about Jared Parker that I'm, that I'm hoping to be able to share at some point in time. But uh, look, everything that I've been told about Jared Parker, again, I don't know what kind of coordinator is going to be, but this is a move that the offensive players are going to like, and and they're going to, they're going to appreciate this and not a shot at Tommy Reese, but just more about Jared Parker. They, they like him. They respect him. They, they, they like the way he goes about his business. They love the energy he brings to the table, and they respect his football mind. Now we'll see if he can do all the other things that go into being a coordinator, organization, making sure everybody's on the same page, coaching wise and player wise. You know, formulating practice plans. You know, and not just each week, but just your structure of okay, here's what our objectives are for the spring, and this is going to lead into what we want them to work on in this in the winter, or excuse me, summer. Then. This is what our objectives are going into fall camp. And, you, and you, you've you got to look ahead, too, to say, hey, look, we're building towards something. And what's your plan from now, you know, February 17th to the beginning of spring? And then what's your plan from there to get through spring? And then what's your plan for summer? And then what's your plan? You know, and it's all building towards the next level. And if you don't have a cohesive plan to build to each stage, then it's just a bunch of garbled stuff. I mean, it's it's really there's really no plan for it. And so I think that uh, in that instance, it 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 it's not going to be effective. So can he do those things? I don't know. Do the players have any clue if he can do that thing? No, not really, because he's never done it. But in a lot of the other things, the intelligence, the energy, the the support, the you know the the attention to detail, all those things that I like, he's got all that. Now it's just about the other stuff that we can't really evaluate until he actually gets in that role and does that role, and that's what we'll find out over these next nine months. Tyler Evans with a super chat. Thank you, Tyler. What went wrong at West Virginia for Parker? Also, who is under more pressure this upcoming season, Parker or Freeman? What's well, always Freeman? It's always the head coach. Because if if Parker doesn't have success, Freeman gets blamed. And I would throw Jack Swarbrick in that conversation as well. But I think Freeman and Jack Swarbrick are the ones who's going to get more blame for that than Jared Parker. 
What went wrong at West Virginia was Neil Brown is what went wrong. I mean, Ryan and I have done a lot of digging on this since the moment we first heard Jared Parker's name about possibly coming on staff. And essentially him and Neil Brown butted heads. Neil Brown wanted the offense to be run one way. Jared Parker wanted to be have it run the other way. And, of course, being a good soldier, comes a point in time you say, okay, this is what you want. This is what we're going to do. And then when you look at what West Virginia did after he left, that I think another issue at West Virginia – you know, Ryan's talked to Jared Date. I can't remember how to pronounce the kid that transferred from Bowling Green, and he's a you know, he's a great kid, I'm sure, but not a really good quarterback in my opinion. And they didn't really have much of a jump this year. You know, when you, when you look at their overall scoring, they 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 went from about 25 points a game uh, to 30 points a game. A lot of that had to do with a couple games that where they had some high numbers. Overall, uh, they finished. They didn't finish very well. Their yards improvement wasn't that much of a jump. They went from three seventy one and a half to three ninety nine. Uh, they went from five point four per play to five point five per play. So there just wasn't there just wasn't a lot to to do. Uh, I mean, a lot of improvement despite going from Jarrett to uh, J T Daniels. So much better quarterback this year and still a mediocre offense. So I think the the issue was Neil Brown. Now, am I going to say, well, I now know because it was Neil Brown's fault that Jared Jared Parker's going to be a great coach? I I don't know. I've said it multiple times. I had somebody get mad at me yesterday because they said, uh, you said that that Jared or that Jared Parker's going to be an upgrade over Tom Reese. I, ne- I literally have never said that. I said I don't know what kind of coach Jared Parker's going to be as a, as an offense coordinator. I know he was a heck of a Heck of a tight ends coach. He's a very good recruiter. Players respect him. I don't know what kind of offense corner he's going to be. I like a lot of things that he's that he talks about, the things I've heard about him, but I got to see what he's going to do. So, and if he does, if he's not successful, a lot of it's going to fall on you know, hey, you're the head coach, you made the decision, and now now you got you you got to roll with it. So, I think that's where the pressure lies this season for me. John A1 says, will a 23 Notre Dame offense be the ultimate measuring stick when it comes to scheme versus fundamentals debate of importance? I absolutely. Now, we've got to be careful. And if we're going to be objective and fair, we can't compare it to the 22 offense only and look at the numbers of the 22 offense only. I think that would be that would be very disingenuous if I'm going to be honest with you because – of all the injuries they had this season because of the issues of quarterback and some of those other things, you know, I don't, I wouldn't compare it to the 31 point per game as much offense as I would to the 35 point per game offense. So it's not going to be so much, John, the overall numbers. I think a big part of it for me is can this offense play better in big games? Because that's something that's been an issue for, for years going back to Tommy before Tommy Reese. So I think that's going to be the measuring stick for for him is 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 the success in those games, which is obviously scheme is important. But as I've been calling for for years, John, which I think is at the heart of your question, and I know that you agree with me on this, is this team didn't always play with great sound. They they weren't always a sound football team on offense. Really good scheme. NFL teams love what Tom Reese was doing. Nick Saban loved what Tom Reese was doing, obviously. But to me, the fundamentals weren't always there. And I don't put that as much on the offensive coordinator as I do the 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 entire staff. What's what's interesting is this year's team was one of the more fundamentally sound units they've had at a couple at multiple positions, 
And and so that's kind of the disappointment that I had about this season is I really feel like if Tyler Buckner doesn't get hurt, once he got into a groove, this offense was going to be really good. And unfortunately, we never got a chance to see that. Like, honestly, what we saw in the bowl game against South Carolina, I think we would have seen a lot of during the season if Tyler Buckner doesn't get hurt. So it's it's a little unfair to compare um, this year's team to, to next year's team in, in that regard because I actually think that team was fundamentally sound in a lot of ways. They just – they had got some guys not stepping up and then major quarterback issues. I mean, and Ryan and I were talking about this the other day, like when you break down the film and we felt this way during the season, but then when you break it down after the season, it is really, it is real. The, the, the issues that they, the limitations they had at quarterback, man, I, I mean, to me, I, I just, they were, they were crippling in a, in a lot of ways. You know, so there just wasn't was not a lot they could do, and you know, I I think the offense would have been a lot better this year if the quarterback, if the court, because like I think of what like what Tyler Buckner could have done by the middle of the season with the when once the receiving core started playing better and guys started getting open, I think it'd have been a lot. And the offensive line started doing what they did. I think it'd have been a lot of fun to watch this offense. It would have been a much better offense. Now. The question is, can Jared Parker get it to that level where he can get that out of him? We'll find out. And I think that I think we're going to like what we see from a fundamental standpoint, right? Because they're going to build on what they did this year. And as long as there's good health, your quarterback situation is going to be a lot better, which should allow the offense to take a big jump forward, in my opinion. Coach Bent five at seven four said, "What are some names that you would say are make or break at, are at a the make or break point during spring practice?" Ooh, this is a good question, Coach. So for me, man, I like this one. So for me, when I when I look at this one, Coach, I, I think that for me, it's it's there are certain veterans that like Rocco Spindler, Right. If he doesn't if he doesn't compete for a job and win a job this year, it's not going to happen because he's battling against younger players. Uh, Lorenzo Styles is one. If Lorenzo Styles doesn't break out this year and step up this year, he's going to get passed up by some really talented younger players. So like offensively, those are guys that I look at. Um, you know, Ryan just texted me, Andrew Kristoffic's another one, right? Like he again, same similar situation to to Rocco Spindler. He's in a situation where he's battling younger players. If he gets beat out, it's not going to happen. And not even just getting beat out, but it's a make or break year for him, whether he's going to take that jump as a player. He's a steady guy, has been a steady guy at Notre Dame. Him and Alt being put in the lineup really helped solidify the offensive line in 2021. He just isn't a butt kicker. And I think his one start, it was kind of a, he got thrown into a buzzsaw against Ohio State. And, and so I'm, I'm hoping he can take that jump, but if the jump doesn't come, then it's just not going to come. It's not coming. And, and I would look at uh, tight end. I think it's a big season for Kevin Bauman because he's going to get passed up by some younger guys. If, if he doesn't have a big off season uh, going into the spring uh, defensively, I think it's a big off season for, uh, uh, for Jordan Patojo. Like he's going to be a senior next year and, and he's got two years of eligibility left, but is this a year where he comes out and finally becomes that guy, or does he get pushed and challenged by younger guys like Josh Burnham and, and uh, Jay, uh, Jr. to Alamaka and Nathan Gobira? I think it's a big year for him. It's a huge year for Maris Luafal. 
at least it should be. Now, I don't know if he's going to be allowed to be challenged because I don't know what Al Golden's going to do. He may just keep trotting the veterans out there because they know the offense, defense, or whatever. But to me, J- Maris Lufau is a guy that to me has to have a great spring. If he doesn't, then you got to start thinking about it's time to move on to somebody else. Uh, another guy, somebody mentioned in the chat, Clarence Lewis. Jay Wick said that. I think it is a big one for Clarence Lewis. But but in a different way, I think for me it's about do they finally make the move that I that that in, in reality they should have made with him in the past but couldn't because they didn't have the depth of cornerback. I hope that they make that move for him. And so it's more about that than it is about, you know, Clarence is playing his butt off. He's playing as well as he can at corner. I don't know how much better he's going to get a corner. But I would love to see him finally get that chance of safety because I think that that could be a big jump. But if you don't do it this offseason, I don't know that you're going to do it next offseason. So it's a little bit of a different situation, but he's one that I would throw into that conversation as well. So, yeah, very, very good questions. Brandon Plensner says, was Notre Dame or the relationship with Stuckey a big factor in Jason Robinson's decommitment to your knowledge? Yes, very much so. Ryan and I, and so I'm speaking for Ryan here since he's not in the show today. He's actually emceeing things. Uh, because his um, he's had a little family issue today, so he can't be on camera. But uh, we talked last night. So Jason Robinson, obviously, is the 2024 wide receiver from California, from Poly, Long Beach Poly. Was committed to USC for a while, has visited Notre Dame, visited this winter with his brother. Things went really well. And, and he has. there's actually an article out today, and we'll have another one out tomorrow. Today's one talked about just the decommitment. that The one I'm going to put up later today is going to be about – just kind of Notre Dame and some other aspects of it. But Chancey Stuckey, they're a, they're a family from what, from I think talking with Ryan, they're a family that's really faith oriented. And Chancey Stuckey was, is like a former pastor. And if you go into Chancey's office, he's got, uh, this is what they relate. He's got like Bible verses and things like that. They've talked to players about the relationship with coach Stuckey. They raved about it and how he's a genuine guy, has him over to the house, really looks out for the players, things along those lines. That's played a big role big role in this in this recruitment for for Jason Robinson and other players when and it's part of the reason coach Stuckey has been able to to have the success he's had in recruiting so far despite not really having much of a track record so yes I think Chancey Stuckey's played a big factor I wouldn't say it played a big factor in the decommitment in regard to like coach Stuckey saying you got to decommit you got to decommit you got to decommit more so that kind of relationship along with other schools has kind of opened up his eyes and his mind to maybe I need to rethink where I'm going to look. So I don't think it's directly related to the decommitment, but I think it it played a big role in that he realizes there's some other stuff out there. So very good question, Brandon. Got a super chat from beef eater. This is Brian long week. So I'm going to tell the worst clean joke I've ever heard. What did the farmer say when he lost his tractor? Ah, where's my tractor? All right. That's the, that's just the, uh, that's pretty terrible. <laughs> that is pretty terrible, but you, you paid for it. So I'm going to read it. So I appreciate that. Brian Richmond with super chat. Thank you, Brian. I sincerely, uh, stick to these last 10 minutes BD on IB as well. We are fine. We will be great. Fortunate as heck to have the people we have now. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, look, I am cautiously optimistic that, that Marcus Freeman is going to be able to have a lot of success. And, you know, when, when you look at it, we're going to get proven right or wrong on that real quick. And I think there's, there's, there's really good people in, in running things at Notre Dame within the football program. There's some important hires he's got to make. 
but I'm, I'm in a much better place. I, I feel much more confident now with some of the things going on than I would have in the past. And we'll just have to see if that faith is, um, we'll see if that faith is misguided or not here very soon. So uh, we'll find out, but thank you for the super chat, Brian. I appreciate that very, very much. John A1, Turkey Club versus the BLT versus the Corn Beef Reuben. So my wife would definitely take the BLT or the Reuben ahead of the B, of the Turkey Club. I don't like BLTs and I don't like Reuben. So part of the, the I just, I don't like the, that type of meat. Uh, for the Reuben, the BLT, I don't like tomato. So I just, you know, whatever. I'm a Turkey Club guy, but I, I've said this before. I'm a picky eater. Like as far as like, I got, I don't put like mayo and tomatoes and stuff. For me, a turkey club is just turkey, cheese, bacon, and lettuce. And so uh, that that would by f- easily be the one for me. The fa- My favorite like kind of deli sandwich I make at home is uh, Ryan's is a chicken BLT. That's what Ryan does with no tomato. So I don't know how it's a BLT if the T is missing. So it's a chicken BL. But, uh, uh, so, but for me, uh, my favorite sandwich to make at home is I'll actually take either bread that I make because I actually make homemade bread. I haven't made it as much recently because I've just been so busy, but uh, it's um, I'll, I'll make it with my bread or I'll get like a ciabatta or I'll just get like a, a hoagie type of uh, bread. And then I'll take uh, some turkey, lay down turkey, and then I'll lay down roast beef. And, and then I'll put, uh, pr- uh, so I'll put that in the toaster oven and then I'll put the other side in with some provolone on the top and then just toast it. And then I put lettuce on it. Like that's my favorite sandwich because like, I don't like, I don't like mayo. I don't like ketchup. I don't like mustard. So the thing I like about a turkey and and, uh, roast beef is when you put it in the toaster, it like the juices kind of start flowing. And so it's got like a natural, like kind of that little marinade. So it's not like as dry as you get maybe when you just eat it cold. So that's my, that's my favorite. uh, That's my favorite sandwich. So yeah, very, very good question. Andrew Strauss-Ball says, what is the deal with Brandon Davis-Swain? Why is Notre Dame still a leader for him? They are not. Uh, I, I don't know why he put them in there. I don't know why people are thinking they're not in, they're not recruiting Brandon Davis-Swain as far as I know. I have not heard anything from no, anyone at Notre Dame talking about they're still recruiting Brandon Davis-Swain. It's kind of like when Caden Proctor released his top four last year and Notre Dame was in it, and Notre Dame hadn't recruited him in months. These kids put Notre Dame in there because it's Notre Dame. It still carries weight. And and uh so no, he's not he's uh, he's not a Notre Dame target. So 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 good good question on that one. Benjamin Carchi says, looking ahead, do you think Notre Dame stays with NBC or moves to another network with better broadcasting talent and a better product? I would hope they'd move somewhere else, but honestly, after what's happened this last week, I just don't I have very rocked faith in the leadership that would be part of that decision. My hope is they would go somewhere else. I think the I think the the moves that the that that it's very interesting to me because NBC part of the attraction to NBC for me was that you were the only you were the only show in town. Well, NBC is not going to be airing Big Ten games, and so you're not the only game in town anymore. So I don't feel I have the same level of loyalty to NBC that I would have had before. So it's go with a better product. And now do I have faith that the current leadership is going to negotiate a better deal? Or are they going to take the easy deal? I don't know. I really don't know. I my hope, and I've said this before, my hope is that they they either go to Fox or like I honestly, I honestly kind of like what the Big Ten did, where they kind of went with multiple networks 
you know, so maybe Notre Dame works out some kind of deal. And I'm just throwing this out where Notre Dame works out some kind of deal with like Fox and NBC where, you know, and maybe NBC airs their day games, but Notre Dame's going to play two night games a year. And those are on Fox or vice versa. Or maybe they do something with like CBS, you know, where their night games are going to be on CBS. I personally would much rather see Notre Dame just go to CBS now. I don't know what CBS really has outside of what the AAC I think is about all they really have. So I think you could become the, the, uh, sort of the flagship for CVS sports football. But the the main reason is, is, and I've said this before, I'm not going to lie. I just would love to have Notre Dame come out every game to the CBS college football music. That's really the main reason that I want Notre Dame to go to CBS. If I'm going to be completely honest with you, but yeah, I, I would CBS Fox. I would much rather have over NBC much rather have no question. And, and ESPN is not even an option for me. Like I'm not saying Notre Dame feels that way, but for me, they're not. Brandon Plesner says, are you aware of the timeline for the Goog, a supposed Goog renovation or upgrade for the food and nutrition program besides the cooking classes? Well, I mean, the cooking classes are part of it, but it, they're dragging their feet on a lot of this stuff. And I don't understand why. I don't I don't know of a timeline. There, I've been told it was going to happen soon. I, I don't even want to start putting timelines on it because it would be me just guessing. I don't have the answer to that, Brandon. I'll try to get it and try to find it and maybe have it for next week. But I don't, I don't have an answer to that one at this point in time, but it needs to start happening quick. Ray Schulte said, got to get my questions in before I have to teach class. Brian, what is your favorite RPO look? Can you break it down all the way to formation, back alignment, run call and route concept? I can't give you my favorite RPO look because there's so much that goes into it. What's the defensive look that I'm facing this week? Are they a two high team? Are they a single high team that, that prefers to have their second safety playing the alleys? Because I may say, hey, look, this week in our, my RPO look, I love running fade outs into the boundary because I can run the corner off with my with my outside guy. If I get a, if I get a cover zero, I can maybe throw that fade. Or if we get them out leveraged, then I'm just banging that little quick out into space. You know, that may be a look that I like. I may go kind of a bubble look in, into that. I may just bang a hitch to the boundary. But that all depends on the kind of look. What like I may there there like there are games where I'll you know, when I'll look at teams or I'll say, or even when we kind of did stuff similar to this, we would more check it. It wasn't an RPO. We would have the quarterback check it, but it was a similar philosophy. We would just bang hitches and quick outs into the boundary until they stopped it. Well, if you're playing a cover two team, I, I can't run that. Uh, that. They're just, the guy's literally sitting on the route. So I just end up having to convert it. Uh, th- those are times where you maybe want to run glance routes is when you've got that kind of squatted type of coverage. Uh, do I want to run it out of three by one or two by two? It, again, it depends on the defense. So there's just so many different aspects to it that I couldn't tell you my favorite concept uh, to, to run. I, I think to me, RPO, when done correctly, you have several different things that you do. Here's things that would be part of my RPO package. If I was a coach, though, I'd have my quick game into the boundary, which is a, a combination of, of, of hitches and quick outs uh, or slides, quick slides and quick outs from the inside. So hitches, uh, speed outs from the outside, and then hitches or slides, excuse me, uh, little quick option routes, and then just quick outs uh, and slides from the slot. Those are things I would do. I would have the, uh, there's a under package that Notre Dame has done. I did like that where they would kind of bootleg off of it and kind of block for the screen uh, to the field. Uh, I would do now screens. I like now screens more. To, I, I'm more of a now screen guy to the field. I don't necessarily love now screens of the boundary. They work. They get you six, seven, eight yards, but I just feel like uh, they also can get blown up a little bit more. So I, I'm more of a, I'm more of a throw it vertically, like past the line of scrimmage into the boundary 
I'll throw more screens to the field where I have more room to work, where my guys can make people miss. Uh, so bubbles to the field. I like hitches to the field. I, I like um, glance routes. If you can teach it right, you have to really work on it. And and I think what a glance can do is you could you it, it just gives you so much flexibility to react to the defense. It can look like a slant route one play. It can kind of look like an in another play, and then it can look like a quick post on others. And so I think those are things that, that I really like about the glance concepts is is because it gives you that flexibility. Because I, I kind of like banging an RPO behind the second level player if a team is going to, depending on how a team is going to play. But it, you just got to be, got to be coach it right. I mean, that's the big thing is you got to coach it right. But I, I think a, you've got to have some diversity to what you do. You can't just have like a concept that you like. There's concepts I like versus different coverages. I'm going to like concepts versus too too high with an aggressive corner, uh, whether it's, you know, you're, you're rolling to some sort of three cloud or three sky, whether you're playing cover two, whether you're playing two man, if you're going to be a two high team with corners down or a single high team uh, with corners that are playing man, some of the stuff that I would run against off coverage isn't going to work as well. And so it just depends on, on what you're doing. And that's really what it comes down to. You just got to figure out what you're, what you're facing. John A. once said, at the conclusion of the bowl game, it was mentioned that Notre Dame fans should expect several transfers out of the program for both portal periods. Did that picture change with the recent staff changes? Well, they still have to have, I think, at least five guys leave the program in some capacity because I still believe they're at 90 players. So they're going to have to have that. And we've seen some guys leave. Uh, Kane Barong left. Osita Iguanu left. Drew Pine left. There's been several guys leave. There will be some more guys that are gone from the program during the spring. So I expect more transfers to happen. They have to have some trans. Some transfers happen. Some guys will be injured. You know, go on, on uh, you know the academic scholarship. Some guys will go on medical situations. But you'll see some guys just leave because they get beat out. But there's that's going to come after depending on what the competition is this spring. So we'll still see some guys leave. Coach Bent says since both records were broken this year, which career record do you think it's broken again first? Tight ends by a tight end, by tight touchdowns by a tight end or sacks. Well, I mean, touchdowns by a tight end is going to probably be something that we have a chance to see more of because there's younger tight ends on the roster that that are going to have a chance to put up those kind of numbers. Uh, you know, so I mean, because we're talking career tight ends, I'd. I mean, if if Jordan Patel, Josh Burnham comes out and let's say he has six or seven sacks this year, he would need like seventeen uh, seven. He'd need like nineteen sacks to eighteen sacks or twenty sacks over the next three years to get there. That's four years of really good production. He can maybe get there, and and Jordan Patel unlikely. You know, I mean, so there really aren't a lot of guys in in consideration. It would have to come from somebody who hasn't played a whole lot yet, and so all of them are going to kind of be down the road type of things. And I just, uh, of those two, boy, I'd probably say, you know, now that I think about it, I'd probably say sacks because I look at the future of the top of the receiver position and it is, it is very bright. So it, it might be a little harder for a tight end to, to get those tiny, kind of touchdown numbers perhaps. Or you could say the receiver production is so good that tight ends are getting a lot more one-on-ones than Michael Mayer ever got. And so that gives them a chance in red zone. So that's a good question. That's a good question. I'd say neither of them are going to get broken anytime soon, to be honest with you, would be my guess. Sean Green said, your prediction of the percentage breakdown of carries between the three 
or four if Price is healthy running backs this upcoming season? Hmm. So to me, I would be. So so part of this is let's say that let's just assume that Sam Hartman's the the um, starting quarterback. I would say that that my my um, I'd say my my prediction would be that the top two quarter the top two ball carriers will get about sixty five percent of the snaps of the carries. You'll see about twenty five percent go to Chris Tyree, about another five percent go to backup running backs receivers, and then the other five percent goes to the quarterback position. If Tyler Buckner's the starting quarterback this year, I think that changes a little bit. So that's how I would I would kind of go with it. That's how I would go with it at this point in time. Brandon Plenzer says, are there any names out there for possible O-line coaches Freeman is interested in that can be publicly discussed? Any guys you like Notre Dame to take a look at outside of Funk? That would be Daryl Funk of BYU. I mean, honestly, when it when it comes down to it at that point in time, Brandon, all I'm going to do is like list you the guys that I like as coaches. I mean, that's really all I can do, you know, and, and so they, I don't want to do that because if I started listing names that I liked, then it would be perceived as I'm giving you names that Notre Dame is looking at. And honestly, I'm still doing my research because there's been a lot of O-line coaches that were good that have moved on. So I, I'm still kind of putting that list together, to be completely honest with you. Uh, Chris Watt would be on it. I would look. I think Chris Watt's got a lot of potential, so I'm at least going to interview him and kind of talk to him, talk to the players. I think one of the benefits is, is if, if Chris Watt stays on, on staff and is the O-line coach, you know Harry's going to be working with him on the side, which I think helps as well. But I don't want to start throwing names out because I really want to get a chance to start doing some homework on some O-line coaches that I like. I mean, I, I could start throwing out names like, you know, uh, the one of the rumors is Mike uh, Alex Maribel, who is the uh, O-line coach at Miami, was with Oregon. Like, I could tell you I like Coach Maribel, but I have no idea if that would be a fit at Notre Dame. I have no clue. So just give me a little time to to kind of figure out who I like, and 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 I'll start giving you guys some names, and we'll we'll go from there. So – that's where I'm at on the O-line coaches at this point. And Brandon, honestly, if I did was, was going to do that, I'd probably put on the message board before so we could kind of engage a little bit more. Johnny once said, do you suspect different players to be highlighted in the offense next year when Notre Dame throw the ball to the second tight end more now? I do expect that a little bit, yes. The other thing is I do think we're going to see the pass game more wide receiver-centric next year from, from what I'm told. We're going to see the receiver – not that the tight ends won't get the ball uh, a, a good amount. They will. But you got to remember, Jared Parker coached tight ends last year, but he spent most of his career coaching wide receivers. He played wide receiver at Kentucky. And I think he caught like 15 balls or something like that his senior year there because uh, he had a, he had dealt with injuries and things like that during his career. But he caught like 15 balls as a senior. He's a wide receiver by trade and and, and not just as a player, but also a coach. He was the wide receivers coach at, at – uh, at, uh, uh, gosh, West Virginia. He was a receivers coach at Penn State. He was a receivers coach at – at Duke, he was a receivers coach for his second half of his career uh, at at Purdue. So he spent most of his career at wide receiver. So this is not a thing where you're moving a guy to tight ends coach, and now your offense is going to be or to your tight ends coach to offensive coordinator, and all of a sudden your offense is just just really dominated by the tight end. The tight end is going to be a factor at Notre Dame. There's no doubt. I think we'll see the second tight end probably get a little bit more targets next year. But I think we're going to see the receiver production take a big jump next season, in my opinion, and and. 
And honestly, you know, that's where the RPO comes from. That, that's where you're going to see a lot of touches in that regard. That's where you more, you really need a guy like Lorenzo Styles to step up this offseason because he has that skill set that you're like, boy, in an RPO offense, this guy could be really good if, if his head's on straight. I mean, we saw that in the first play of the game against Ohio State. He makes a catch on an RPO, makes one guy miss, guy tries to play the ball, misses, and Lorenzo takes off for 54 yards. So I think he's a guy that you've got to hope has a big offseason because he could really be a, an impactful guy in the, the RPO game. It's it's I think I think we talked about this last week. I can't remember when when Ryan and I were discussing this, but the incoming freshman receivers in a in a Jared Parker offense, I think there's a lot more value to Caleb Smith now, the the incoming freshman Caleb Smith, because he gives you a little bit of that shiftiness that you really need in an RPO offense. You, it, it's more ideal in the RPO to have a guy that can do something after the catch. And the guy that, to me, is the best after the catch guy in, in an RPO concept coming out of, out of high school is Caleb Smith. I think that an, a greater emphasis on RPO also could be great for Jaden Greathouse. I could see Jaden Greathouse catching a ton of RPOs during his career. So I think guys like that are going to be um, are going to be impactful as well. So. I, I think the receiver is gonna the receiver game is gonna be much more much more impactful. Hey, you ready to go down there? Ready to roll? So I didn't feel like doing this show by myself all alone today, uh, and so I got my guy Sean Davis jumping in here with me. So Sean, thank you, uh, thank you so much for joining me on the mailbag today, man. I, I know you guys had a intense show today, really another great show today. So we're ready oh, to we're ready mild. to. That was mild. That was pretty mild today. Mild compared to the conversation, the way you and I were talking this morning and last night. That's Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, maybe I helped you get a lot of it out beforehand. So you're welcome. <laughs> so, so Sean Davis is with us now as we continue to work through the mailbag questions. Richard Meredith says, what advantages will we have that other teams won't have uh, much film on a, a, a Jer- Jared Parker offense? Sean, I think the first thing for me is I don't think there's going to be a, a secret about what Notre Dame's going to look like on offense next year. Yeah. They're not going to be a whole lot different than what they were this year uh, structurally. They're, they're not. It's not. They're going to come out. <clears throat> they're run game. They're running pin and pull now all game. They're, you're 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 going to see some wrinkles that that it's going to take some teams to figure out. But honestly, by the time they play a good team. Uh, you, you, they're going to, I mean, NC State in week three is going to have an, an idea of what Notre Dame's going to look like. And Ohio State by week five is definitely going to know what Notre Dame's going to look like. So I don't know if it really gives them some advantages because the teams that they're going to play early that it would be an advantage for Richard are teams that they should th- th- like throttle anyway. And and I'm not a believer, especially when you're institu- installing new things, I'm not a believer in those, hey, let's hold off on not pl- doing stuff we like so we right. can wait. State game. Well, now you have no game reps of you getting good at it. So I'm a believer. Show them what you got, and then and give. And if anything, when you're playing teams that aren't good, give them more. Give them even more to prepare for. Yeah, you know, run some reverses and some wrinkles that maybe you aren't really part of your base offense, just to get them to be preparing for things that that are taking them away from from what you really like to do. So I've always had that philosophy, Sean, of when I'm playing a bad team, I'm going to do even more than I normally do to give future opponents a lot more to think about, especially when we're talk, talk, talking about coming out of the out of the gate the first couple games of the year. I think something that can be an advantage when they do reach that meat of the schedule, and just overall, is personnel, right? Because personnel, you can only do what your personnel dictates. Like a team can look and say, well, man, this is what this guy likes to do. 
But if he doesn't have the personnel to do it, we're really not worried about it. And I think the personnel on the offensive side of the ball would tend to make most of us believe that Notre Dame is going to be far more complex offensively than they were able to be last year, especially when it comes to the passing game. When you have the history of a quarterback that is able to deliver the ball to multiple receivers per game, that bodes well to the wide receiver room experiencing a far greater usage than they've experienced probably over the last two or the previous two seasons. So, you know, not seeing that for a lot of teams that have been on Notre Dame's schedule could be a bit of a shock for some coordinators. But like you said, once they get the film over the first three games, the only other thing that can really shock teams is personnel that they haven't seen. Some of the incoming freshmen being introduced to the offense in week four, week five, week six, things of that nature. Guys like Jeremiah Love being used out of the backfield. Chris Tyree being used differently than he's been used. Things like that can definitely be a difference and a slight advantage because teams haven't seen it. Teams haven't seen it. I don't. I think one personnel grouping that you would probably love to see a lot more would be 21 personnel. You know, with this team, you know, you haven't seen you've seen it sparsely used. But if they really went and made an advantage for them in matchups, you know, what, 12 to 15 times per game? Yeah. Well, especially if you're going to do more RPOs. Yeah. I mean, there, there's no reason not to tag that stuff. I mean, even things out of split back. I, I could imagine Notre Dame being in a, in a 20 personnel group. Yeah. And, and you're running. <clears throat> you're running zone out of, out of 21 personnel mm-hmm. and you run a sw- inside zone with your back and then a swing route from the other back, just kind of going around and putting that overhang defender in a really stressful situation. It, just a lot of different things like that. I think you could have a lot of fun with. And, and it's yeah. amazing, right? Because most fans see Sam Hartman, they automatically say, man, we really want to throw the ball, you know, right. and we can go back and just look at what we saw last Sunday. And I thought Andy Reid did an incredible job against that pass rush of using 12, 13, 21 personnel to be able to do a lot of diverse things, whether it was running the ball. I mean, I think they ran the ball 26 times. They threw the ball 27 times. You can have tremendous balance. A lot of people think to throw the, throw the ball, you have to go to 11 personnel. Four, no. Like, if you know what you're doing, you can do a lot of different things out of 12, 21 and other, you know, personnel groups that that honestly, you know, staying in that 12 personnel and going to 21, you can have guys on skates defensively, (laughs) especially if you properly use motion, which is what you can use. You can go the, the type of talent that Notre Dame has on offense. You could go 22 personnel. And on one play have two tight ends attached and have a running back kind of blocking the edge. And then on the next play, you could be empty mm-hmm. because of the type of pass catchers that Notre Dame has a tight end yeah. and running back. And I think so. So there's there's to your point, there's a lot you can do personnel wise. And 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 I'd rather see a team run a, a mess of different personnel looks and motions and shifts than running twice as much volume from pass concepts. I'd rather yeah. you see give me some pass concepts you like tag it with some different backside stuff and run it 15 different ways. Or you know, and, and by ways I'm referring to formationally, you know, yeah. and 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 then all the little wrinkles that kind of come with that. 
So I'd rather see that than than running 25, 30 different pass plays and wrinkles, and then the, all the wrinkles that come from that. So yeah, yeah, I uh, yeah, yeah. That's I think there's a lot of that. I have a super chat from ZF. Has there been any comment from Ludwig's agent? Not that I've seen, Sean. I haven't seen anything like that. No, no I haven't. There's no need, right? Why? Why would his agent say anything? His You're agent... winning the PR war by not saying anything. <laughs> and his agent I mean, did his job, right? Yeah, I haven't seen anything. Joe Medina, Brian, I've been an IB subscriber for a little over a year. Thank you for that, Joe. I'm just curious as to the reason you decided to begin IB and who was your first hire. Well, there's a lot of reasons why I decided to do it. I've always kind of wanted to do my own thing. I've, I've always been a believer that 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 if you want things done a certain way, then either make change from the inside or start your own business. At my previous place of employment, I had made as much change as I could and realized that the, the direction that the company was going was not one I was comfortable with. And so my wife and I had decided that I was eventually going to start my own my own company. And uh, my boss at the time and I had a bit of a, let's say, a, a harsh disagreement about the the financial direction the business wanted to go. And so I, uh, I pushed back on that a little bit. And so I decided I was going to leave. And then SI reached out and said, hey, we, we're interested in you coming over and starting a Notre Dame site here. And so I was originally just going to leave and just start a podcast and just do it that way and, and build that way. So then we started the website and it just kind of evolved a, a little bit over time. And we had the website, if you remember at the beginning, it was Irish Maven. And then it, it became Irish Breakdown. And because and, the Irish Breakdown actually started as a podcast. And so we had Irish Maven. But even when we started Irish Maven, I started the, the podcast separately and it was called Irish Breakdown. And then eventually I brought the Irish Breakdown over to you know, changing the name and, and everything now is under the Irish Breakdown umbrella. And then, of course, we eventually went to the YouTube channel. And then when I first started the website, they had their own message board. It was lame, but and then they eventually got rid of it when they, hey, we're going to start a new one. Well, eventually they said, hey, we're just not going to care about message boards. And so that was like a golden opportunity for me to launch the message board. And so now that's why the message board is entirely private. It's entirely our own. And, and honestly, that's the benefit. And that's the reason I can charge. Uh, the the lower amount that I charge, you know, we charge four ninety nine a year, as opposed to most other companies are like nine ninety nine and things like that. They'll give you like specials to get you in for the year, the first year, and all that. But the reason they have to charge that much is because you're splitting the revenue between two entities. So, for example, uh, and and I'm just using Irish Illustrated as an example, but you know, Irish Illustrated is is obviously a, a company, and and Tim and Pete and those guys are all have like that's kind of their baby. They own Irish Illustrated, but they're partnered with twenty four seven. So the revenue they get from memberships and ads is split between the two entities, the Irish Irish Illustrated entity, and then two four seven entity. And so that's why you have to charge a little bit more uh, for for that. And then of course they get ad revenue from stories and things like that. That is also split. Well, we split the revenue with SI for the ad revenue on that site, but the message board is the, the outside of the transaction fee that that I that I get that there is on the credit card uh, transaction, which for a monthly membership is like I think forty four cents, for an annual membership so I think like a a buck, it's like a little over a dollar, it's like a dollar fifteen something like that. 
other than those transaction fees, all the money we make off of it goes directly to our breakdown. So that <clears throat> is charging what the others charged. I decided I wanted to make it a more affordable product. And so I'd rather have, I made the business decision, decision to say, I'd rather have more people at a lower rate, which I think eventually equals the same amount. I could charge $9.99 and have half the people, but then I would, and I'd still be making the same amount of money as opposed to making it more affordable and then having more people join, broadening our community and, and being able to go that way. And it worked out because as we've kind of gotten into tougher times, I know people that have decided to stick with Irish Breakdown because we were the cheapest of all the sites as we get into some of the financial crises we've had and, and difficulties and challenges that we've had. So there's just been a different reason for every bit of part of it. Like when I first started the podcast, I had no intention of doing YouTube. And Vince and I talked about it and decided, you know, let's give it a shot. And we, so we started doing videos in order to put on the website. So we would record a video and then we'd put it on the website. So we had video content for the website. Well, and then we did a, we did a thing after the, the, the Rose Bowl in Alabama, where we did like a post game rant. And man, it got like a lot of views. What we thought we got to over a thousand views and we're thinking, holy moly, that's a lot of views. You know what I mean? Like, maybe we should try this. And everybody we talked to was like, no, don't do it. You don't make any money on YouTube. Don't do it. And YouTube is our least profitable revenue stream of all the main revenue streams, but we still do well with it. But then that led to the YouTube led to then Blue Wire reaching out saying, hey, we like what you're doing on the YouTube aspect of it, you know, in the podcast aspect. Would you guys like to maybe partner? I had talked to Locked On. I had talked to some other companies. I did not like their business model. I want, I've always kind of wanted to do my own thing. The thing I love about Blue Wire is Blue Wire says, here's the deal. If you make money, we make money. So if you think you have a way of doing it, then let's roll with it. So that's why we do longer shows. We're locked on, wanted you to say, you're going to stick within this time frame, and you're going to do like one show. And I mean, we'll put out like six, seven shows a day, you know, because we'll cut up different shows into different aspects. And so the big thing for me, honestly, Joe, was ego. And it was, I wanted to do it my way. And I was willing to fail as long as I did it my way, because I had belief in the what in what I what, what I was going to do. I feel that God really looked out for me, though, because taking me to SI was a, a huge blessing because the first year that I was there, I was working under a guarantee. So no matter how little traffic we had, we had a guarantee. Well, COVID hits five months after I launch the website and I have no sports to cover. And we were a startup company. And if it wasn't for that guarantee, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if we'd have made it the way that we did. And so once the guarantees went away, we had grown to the point where we started having, you know, more success and it's really taken off, but it's just also been trying to, to say, Hey, what being open-minded, right? Like, Hey, let's start this CFB nation channel. Hey, I need to, I, I you know, we're expanding it. Hey, I need a Notre Dame channel on that. Hey, Sean, my friend, someone who I, who I've, who I've worked with and done a lot of things with someone who's a, a dear friend why don't you guys come over and join? So there's just been all these things where it's just like trying to be open about how can we grow? How can we get better? And there's some things, some projects that I want to do. I, I was really hoping that this past year we were going to do a magazine and just, there's just so much going on, but now I'm hoping to have a magazine. So there's always things that I want to expand, but it really comes down to, I just wanted a place where I could say whatever the heck I wanted to say, however I wanted to say it, not have to worry about anybody looking over my shoulder, telling me you can't say that, you can't say this. And I wanted to do it my way. I had a belief on how to grow business in this market, which is free articles, premium message board. 
you know, where you, the community make people that, that are really part of the community, then they'll, they'll be willing to pay for the message board. But for the casual fan who either a doesn't have the money to be part of a community or doesn't have the, doesn't have the time or doesn't want to invest the time. They just want to read the articles. Then they have stuff that they can consume. They people that can listen to our shows can consume our shows and not have to pay. And we're still generating revenue. So it doesn't become this thing where to be part of Irish breakdown, you look at it, but I'm going to end up spending like some 20 bucks a month on these guys between the podcast being premium and this being premium and that thing being premium. We wanted to create a community that's more open, open and welcoming. And then we would know that people then come to the premium aspect of it because they so enjoyed the community we're building in this free realm. So that's kind of where I've gone. And if you're going to ask who my first hire was, it depends on what you mean by hire. Uh, my first, my first full-time hire was Ryan. He's my only right now full-time employee. But the first person I brought on board was Vince. I mean, that that was a no-brainer. So so interestingly, Vince actually replaced me at Blue and Gold because I had brought Vince on to help at Blue and Gold. And then when I left and I got out of my non-compete and was able to go somewhere else, you know, they offered Vince the job to replace me. And Vince is like, I don't know if I should do this. And I was like, bro, you got to do this, right? Like you, you finish your contract. And when your contract's over, you know where you're going to be. And so that's that was the first guy that we brought on. And honestly, Vince did a lot of stuff for free at the beginning because we weren't making any money. And so that's why, you know, I told Vince, you always have a home at Irish Breakdown, man, because he truly invested. It was it was about his faith in me and his friendship with me that said, hey, I'll, I'll do stuff for free. When Sean started first coming off, he wasn't getting paid to do stuff. I did, I told him I was going to. He's like, no, you have to pay me, man. And and so uh, having those people that 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 believed in what we were doing but also people that were friends and that were willing to help uh, allowed us to grow as well. So, so Sean uh, Vince was first. And then I had like a couple guys that like helped with like little recruiting things here and there. And, and that none of those lasted very long. Uh, and then obviously Sean came on to help with the podcast stuff. And then Ryan was the next big move. And then of course, Sean Styers was the next big move after that. And uh, I still want to hire the editor. We were going to do interviews a couple weeks ago, just with everything going on. I've had some health issues that have kept me from doing that, but that's going to be my next move still. And uh, for some of the people out there that, that have been ta- wanting to do it, it you, I haven't filmed the job. I haven't done the interviews yet. I'm still considering you. So I'll be in touch here very soon, but uh, yeah, that's, so that's, that's kind of where I became from. And we're always going to try to keep our eyes on, on the future as well. Make sure the present is good, but also make sure we're keeping our eyes on the future and always make it better and always make it different. And there's a lot of things I want to do. It just, I need you, you got to make do, sure you do things financially smart. And I've yet to take out a loan for Irish breakdown. I've yet to accrue any debt. When I use the credit card for any business purchase, I immediately pay it off. And so that, 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 that protects me, but it also means that sometimes the growth is a little slower. So I want to bring somebody on, but I need to make sure that I've got a, our business is in the right foundation to, to get there first. And so uh, we're going to I'm, I'm a steady is, you know, steady wins the race kind of guy, right. For me. Uh, and, and so that's why I'm, I'm less risk averse. Maybe when it comes to like taking loans and I've had people offer to, to, to buy into the company. And, and uh, those were hard numbers to turn down, <laughs> Sean, very hard numbers to turn down. But I just really felt like I didn't want to lose control of how I wanted this done. And that's really what it comes down to. So I hope that answers your question, Joe. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, Mr. 2.0 are Pop-Tarts ravioli. I don't even understand what that's about. I don't understand that. And that's an actually interesting question. That is, they are somewhat of a pastry ravioli. I can, I can rock with that. I can rock I have, with that. I don't even know how those two things are considered the I, same. You know, I can rock with that. Yeah. Yeah, no opinion on that one. Lance River says, have you ever thought about a call-in show, Brian? I mean, number one, uh, I have thought about it. But it's just probably not something we're going to do, to be honest with you. Uh, Right now, I don't have the technology for it. That would cost money. The second part of it is I have less control over what somebody says or does. And, And right now for that. And 99.9% of the people that would call in would have great things to say. And, 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 but then there's that one person that just wants to call in and say ignorant things and try to get me in trouble. And ultimately I'd be responsible for that. So it's just not worth the risk. There are some things that we're thinking of along those lines that we may get to at some point in time that would allow us a little bit more editorial control over what shows up, but that's just not something that's in the cards right now. But look, Guys, I don't, I, I don't, I don't plan on going away in a year or two, right? Like this is gonna, we're, this is this is my career. This is what I'm gonna do. We're always gonna be evolving and finding new things. And there, there may come a time where the technology is there and affordable enough, or we've grown enough to where I can afford the technology to where we would do something like that. Because I love the idea. It's just there's too much risk, especially doing it via YouTube, where. You know, you get those checks, and it's like, well, I didn't say that. I didn't do that. Well, it was on your channel. Well, okay, yeah, it was. That's on me. Yeah, that's on me. And so we just don't have the ability to do the things you need to do to edit it, like like a TV station or like a radio station does. They have the ability to edit it. Like they can, you know, they can, you know, have the delay system so they can delete things or whatever the case may be or, or mute it or whatever, and we just don't have that right now. And I would absolutely need that before we would do any kind of call-in show. Yeah. So. Sean, thoughts on that? I mean, have you guys thought about doing something like that? No, every now and then we'll throw the link to uh, the show for fans in the chat every now and then and have people face-to-face because if, if I'm sitting here and just start, I can remove you. 
at any point in time. And most fans are pretty, pretty stable, <laughs> like you said. But my experience in radio is the same. Like you can never take your ears off of the speakers because you always have to have your finger ready for the dump button. Always. And most of the time that dump button goes directly to the program director. So every time you hit it, they know something's happened and they want to know what was said or why you did it. So I understand the hesitancy not to do it, you know, unless you just don't care. And with these new guidelines with YouTube now, where they're really cracking down on language, it, it yeah, it makes it even more difficult. Frank McCatchy brought up a great point. He said, Brian, you're going to have some real crazy fan, Bama fans calling by mid-October. Like, could you imagine we were doing a call-in show and the LSU fans were, like, losing their crap over what the comments that I made about LSU? Oh, you know? boy. Like, yeah. But, yes. Yes. What, are they going to call in and ask us to take them back? <laughs> <laughs> are, are those the calls? I, I, think, I, I think he'll do okay there. I think I think he'll do okay there. Uh, so let's get to the let's get to the next question there, Ryan. John A. One said, "Do you think the environment at practices will be different now? Do you suspect the media will have less access now following the last week's events?" Oh, I think we were going to have less access regardless. But yes, I don't think Notre Dame's going to do us any favors. Which, in reality, they're hurting themselves by doing that. That's the stupid thing about it. Yeah, they're they're hurting themselves by a not allowing more media access and allowing the excitement to grow. They missed a golden opportunity last year during spring and fall with that. And then they're not even making up for us not being there by putting out their own content, which is just an incredibly poor way to run that part of the department. And and I know they had some cuts and things like that, but whatever. I mean, that, you're Notre Dame. Money is not your problem. You just, that, that should be happening. It's just golden opportunities to sell your program. That's what it is. Every single day they have a practice that they don't have something from it is, you know, it's a golden opportunity that you've passed up that's that's what i think yeah. that's what i think do the environment will be different now yeah i mean will it be better don't know will it be different yes because jared parker's a completely different personality than tommy reese and that that that's always true when you have coaching changes sean mm-hmm. i'm not saying it'll be better or worse i'm not making that statement i'm simply saying it'll definitely be different because he's a different kind of coach just like mike elko and clark lee were very close very similar philosophy defensively because they work yeah. together, but how Clark Lee felt a practice should be run and the energy level there and, and how he act was completely different than what Mike Elko did. Not better, not worse, just different because every coach brings their own personality to the practice plans and practice structure. And that, that one lead voice is now going to be different. And he brings a different kind of energy level that Tom Reese brought to the table. It'll be interesting though, right? Because I know personally for myself, I got used to practice sounding a certain way. Right. You would focus on what was in front of you. And there was always this extra sound coming from across the field. And you knew who it was. You knew what it was. And it kind of just blended in. And now the Harry he stands gone. It's going to be different. Not hearing that in the midst of everything. So I guess it'll be a different audio mix in practice that we're not used to. You know, and everything you just pointed out. I just think the vibes would be different. Honestly, and I'll be interested to hear what Ryan says about this, you know, with us being there at the pro day and being there at the first practice last year. I I think the energy is going to be different. I'm talking players. I think there's going to be a different energy amongst the players 
when they come into spring practice this year. And that is going to be the biggest change. We can talk about the coaches, but I think these players are self-motivated. I don't really think the coaches are going to have to say too much to the players to for them to understand what's going on and to kind of get into a bunker mentality and say, look, it's us. This, this is us. This is our season. Let's go do it. So that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm looking forward to see the energy that the players bring to everything in the spring. Next question from We Are Not Marshall. Can we get a live show with the whole crew on set? That actually would be a pretty nice. Logistically, that would be hard. Uh, but uh, we've, we'll have shows where we all do something. I want to do some fundraising in 2023. And when we do those fundraisers, we'll have different parts of our team on at different times. And so, but as far as like getting everyone there on like in the stream yard, mm-hmm. that would be something we could do. It'd be a little challenge. We've had like four at a time and there's not, we don't have that many more than four. I mean, you know, so like if, when we were doing the post game shows, it was me, Sean, Vince and Ryan. Well, the only person we were missing was Sean Styers. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So. And, and, you know, you know Jesse's not, does not work for me. Jesse kind of helps his dad and things like that. Uh, but, uh, you know, but he does a good job too. So we've had him on from time to time as well. But I mean, we can maybe do something like that one of these days. I, like, like when I talk about how I envision this thing, Sean, like I do envision someday where we do have more of a studio look to things mm-hmm. like that, you know, and yeah. no, but then again, that gets difficult because I can be in studio, but then Ryan isn't, you know, Sean isn't. And so, yeah. Those are all things that that's why those things are so much further down the road than than they are now. But because the only people could be on it in studio being like me, Sean Styers, and Vince. And even Vince would be hard because he's in school most of the time. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, he said he did kind of rephrase it. He said, let me rephrase. Can we get a studio look with the whole crew on site at a Notre Dame home game? Uh, no, we can't do that. Notre Dame won't let it. They won't let us. We got they got mad at us when we did the uh the Jeremiah Love thing. Yeah. So really? You're not allowed to do that. Yeah, you can't not allowed to do that. So we you can record from like one corner of the end zone during one portion of the game. And and, and I mean was, they explained it to me, it makes sense. There's certain contracts they have with certain media entities that they're the only ones allowed to to carry content from campus on game day. So it it, it was I mean, I understood it. Oh, so if so, you technically had been across the street. Yeah, so like if if we did it like at uh, at a hotel across the street, they'd have no yeah. problem with it. It's just contractually they're just not allowed like th- it's they're they're bound to anything that's produced from the to stay in that day has to go to one of those networks. So I mean, I get it. And then those networks can't carry recruits. So I said so I said, "Hey, can we do something where where you know, I'll call up Allison Hayes at, and say, "Hey, can we have a kid go live to commit during your 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 pregame show?" And they can't do that because they're technically a partner with the school, and so they can't carry a recruitment thing there and there. So there's a lot of those weird things like that. So I was like, that. So it's okay. So we can't do it on campus anymore. But we we we, we can do things across the street. At, if we want to do it at like a restaurant, you know, at across the street or at a hotel across the street or something like that off campus, they'd have no problem with it. It's gotcha. just it's. Le- I had no when they explained it to me, I was like, okay, I, I got you. I, I understand. <laughs> right? Totally understand. understandable. Yep, yeah, totally. Understandable. They weren't mad like, hey, we wanted to do that. What are you doing? It was just more of a, hey, man, we have no beef with it, but it's like, but you just can't legally. We can't allow that to happen. So right. I totally understood. It was yeah. all good. 
they have to yeah. protect themselves and right yeah right right and they're media partners that are paying yeah. them to do that right, right. so that's uh, and then if we were to enter in a, a contract to be able to provide content from the place that number one that'd be really expensive and number two we then could not have recruits on yeah. for, for the same reasons so i so, mean you know nbc point. can cut i be a check in the future for uh yeah doing stuff like that on campus as part of the tv deal right <laughs> there you go there you go there you go Jaywick 13 can Vince grow a beard can Ryan grow a beard whose would look better Vince could grow a beard in like a day and a half yo Vince is very italian um he could yeah he he could grow a beard quickly Ryan with a beard would be that would be interesting i i have a feeling Ryan's beard would like be really thin it would be like not real thick it would take him like a month and a half to grow something you know what i mean he just he's got that baby face Sean. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he's got that little baby face look. I, I don't know, man. I don't know if he could rock it. We're saying this, of course, because we're busting Ryan's chops because he's actually down there emceeing and hearing every word that we're talking about. But uh, I, I don't know if he could grow a beard, Sean. I don't know. I don't know. He's, I think he could. I yeah. think he could. I mean, eventually. I mean, I you give him a could. couple months, and he might grow he in. Could. I think he could. <laughs> I don't know if he could be – I don't know if he would have the patience to stick with it. <laughs> But, well, that's why I grow mine out and then shave it off. Grow it out, shave it off, because I hate the maintenance of it. Yeah. I, just, I can't stand the yeah. maintenance of it. It drives me nuts. All right, let's go to the next question. We've made, we've made fun of Ryan enough. So <laughs> he's down there just shaking his head. Uh, Neil Walker said, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors around the buyout in Notre Dame's response. Isn't it possible that the He Stand retirement changed the calculus, and that's why they moved on from Ludwig, the O-line coach buyout? No, that has nothing to do with it. Like, look, some of y'all are really trying to find – a rational justification for why this ball got dropped and, and, and there isn't one. And look, I'll, I'll just say it now. Sometimes it's okay. And we all do it to just say, you know what? I screwed up. We screwed up. We dropped the ball. There's nothing wrong with that. You've done a lot of good things in Notre Dame. There's no wrong. There's nothing wrong with saying, Hey, we, we screwed up. It's on us. It'll never happen again. But instead of that, they, deflect send out an incredibly condescending email mm -hmm. uh saying people's passion is misguided saying it's a the media's problem they ran with something like, no and then now you have these people on twitter that just believe everything that they hear from notre dame saying well you just responded to a tweet our show had nothing to do with pete thamel's tweet it had to do with the information we gathered from our sources following pete thamel's tweet but they're just going to believe what they're going to say. And, and that's why they put that release out there yesterday. It's just because the people that they know are just going to sop up everything they say are going to run with it. The reality, however, Sean, is there's a lot of people that were not happy about it because, A, it was very condescending in tone. Mm -hmm. You start off with this ridiculous Terrence Mann quote. Then you tell people their passion is misguided. Then you just flat out you know, mislead by saying we were always going to pay it. No, the timeline makes no sense for that. And and then act as if like, well, when you came back to, to do your CYA and then you did offer the buyout as a CYA, you knew the bridge had already been burned. You knew that wasn't going to happen, but you're acting self-righteous. Here's the deal, Sean. If they just would have shut up and not said anything, this would be gone by the weekend. Mm -hmm. Be gone by the weekend. We even started yesterday's show like, look, y'all, we're moving on. I'm not talking. It is what it is. We're moving on. Then they come out with that and then try to take shots at us. And then others like us, because we weren't the only one 
take it to hammer Notre Dame. No. You know, Athletic was, ESPN had their story, we had ours. There's been plenty of people that have had things to say about it. So it wasn't just us. But you, you when you do that, it's like, you know, I was ready to move on. And now you come back with this and you disrespect people. And then at the end, you have the audacity and the tone deafness to ask for more money. To which I would have responded, well, you clearly had the money, so you don't need mine. You know what I mean? It just was a, it was a really unnecessary, it, it's what we always say about Notre Dame. It was an unforced error. You've now made two of them. The yeah. first was dropping the buyout situation. If they just would say, hey, look, there was a miscommunication between us and and the parties involved, and and that miscommunication just led to us not being able to get a deal done. Right. And, you know, it, 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 it is what it is. You don't even have to admit fault. You don't have to even say you screwed up. You say, right. hey, that's true. There was a miscommunication. You didn't get the freaking proper numbers from Utah or the agent. Right. Miscommunication and led to the, just a, the, the deal wasn't able to get completed because of this miscommunication. And it's a bummer. We moved on, but we're very excited about having Coach Parker because we think he's going to do a great job, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I just said, okay, I mean, they're being truthful ish. You know, it is what it is. Let's move on. Right. And all rally behind coach Freeman and coach Parker, whatever else. When he came out with that nonsense, it's first of all, it's a slap in the face to everyone. They think all of you are sheep that will just sop up whatever they say. Now, some of the people are, and there's always going to be that on every side of every issue, no matter what, but to call people's passion misguided, and just flat out put out, I don't want to say lies, because that's a very strong word, but things that we know is misleading, if not flat out false. And then to then have the audacity put the fundraising thing at the end. It's like, you can't possibly be that tone deaf to how people are feeling right now. And I got some calls from some people that 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 wield some some financial authority at Notre Dame and they're even more pissed now than they were beforehand. And that's the thing is if he just would have shut up or put out a very bland, Hey, sorry, it's didn't work out as a miscommunication. We just weren't able to get on the same page from a timing standpoint, whatever we're moving on. And, and, and we, we thank coach Ludwig for coming in and we know he's going to do a great job at you continue to do a great job at Utah. And we're excited about moving forward. Coach Parker, uh, we this would be gone. Yep. Go on. Yep. But Savvy Jack decided he wanted to come out and put that bull crap out in an email. It's like, come on, man. Like, you can't I, – I, I want to say you can't possibly believe we're stupid enough to buy that. But the reality is, Sean, there are people that were naive enough to buy that, in my opinion. Most don't, though. I mean, I when I put out my response on the premium board last night to my response to, Co- to, to Jack's email, I was yeah. expecting about a 60-40 – on my side, on Jack's side, I believe yeah. Jack, and maybe you got it wrong. There was like two. Yeah. Ten pages long, there was like two people. Yeah. That's it. And and now part of that's a, a – it's well, that's our message board of like-minded people. But like even on Twitter, I haven't had many – Ryan got into some of this. I'm like, don't waste your time with that guy. Most people oh, that, see right through it. That was a great Most back and forth right between it. Ryan and that fan, though. I enjoyed yeah. that. Yeah. That's why Ryan. I jumped in. I jumped in yeah. on his behalf. Like, yeah. No, look. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Everything you said, nothing adds up. Look, Harry, he's staying. They knew he was leaving week a week before. Right, Ludwig even got the campus. So 
No, it was it was four days before he arrived on campus. Uh, Three yeah. or four days before he got out. But they knew it was a potential thing. Right. Bef- a week before, yes. Right. Yes. So look, I understand, you know, as a fan, we don't want to think like no, not not our school, not our has to be or in, in Neil's thing, Sean, he's in there saying it. He's like, I just feel like there has to be more to it. And I understand no. that. I yeah. get it. Yeah. I get it. I get it. I wish there was. I've been waiting on someone to tell me that there's something different. I, I'm waiting on someone to tell me, no, there's more to it than that. This is what yeah. really happened. But every time they give me a spin, it's like, dude, that's worse. Mm-hmm. That's worse. So like even in Jack's letter, let's say hypothetically that everything he said is true. That actually is worse. You slow played this so much <laughs> that the coach that you wanted was pretty much done by the time you officially offered to pay him out, pay out the buyout. He was ready to go. Every, it was all he got cold feet. No, if you would have done this, he from the time he left campus on Saturday, you had over 48 hours yeah. to get all this done by, by Monday night. You had even more time to get all the numbers and make sure that you absolutely knew what those numbers were. Absolutely. And, and, and you, you got it done. And so it's like, I just don't understand why they're just not willing to say, Hey, look, it is what it is. It didn't go way we wanted it to and move on. But instead they did it the way that they did it. And well, this is just Utah's agent trying to, or you uh, love it. Well, then you should have been ahead of the game. You should have been ahead of that. Then why are, why are you getting outmaneuvered by Utah? And, and, and Andy Lowe was agent if what you're saying is true. So, okay. So, again, it doesn't make you look better. It means you got played. None of these excuses you're giving me make you look better. They just make you look incompetent or dishonest or, or condescending, and that's exactly what Jack's email was yesterday. It was condescending yeah. and disrespectful and dismissive and deflecting and dishonest. And most people saw through it. And I'm glad. I, I, I actually, I'll be honest with you, John. There were some people that bought into it, but I'm, sh- I was shocked at how many people saw through it. And I was, my, um, my appreciation for the Notre Dame f- community, ours and others, my respect went up greatly in the last 24 hours when I saw how widely, now there's always people are going to buy what the company line. I get it. And, I, and some people for understandable reasons. Mm-hmm. But it was widely rejected from what I've seen so far. Yeah. And yeah. I respect that from Notre Dame Faithful because they saw through the BS. Yeah. And another thing too is if you said something about me like that, that was that was that was um that false, I would have been on it quickly. Yeah. And number two, why did you send the email out the day that you that it, it got out to Joe Parker OC? Yes. How are you going to take that? Yes. You're going. He's already Feel got a mark of cloud over top of you. Now you're going to put this bull crap out on the day yeah. that he's announced as the OC? Yeah. yeah. Come on, man. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. I thought you were supposed to be good at this. So. He's, he's a good steward. <laughs> Being a steward, hoarding money isn't making you a steward of it. I'm sorry. Anyway. John A1, who are some of the names you're hearing making jumps physically in the workout period? Honestly, John, I haven't even had a chance to do digging into that because of everything going on. Once again, you're stealing yeah. the moment. 
Yeah. From the off season and the yeah. players. We should be talking about how excited season. it is to, to, you know, Sam Hartman and Jared mm-hmm. Parker and Gino Gadouli and all that. And instead we're, we're dealing with this nonsense, which would have been gone, would have been gone by now. Had he just let it be. I promise you, we'd have very few questions or conversations in this chat today. Sean, had he not sent that email out. Look, we have a very short attention span as a country. Very short attention span. That's true. Like, and I'm talking for things way more important than football. It's like big, bad things will happen. And a week later, we're not talking about it anymore. Yeah. If you just shut your mouth, then this would be gone. But I think he felt a lot of pressure from the donor class. I know he felt a lot of pressure from the donor class and felt he had to say something. And they were getting bombarded with emails. And I think he just did it to be pithy and condescending i guarantee he didn't send that letter to the people that are paying like the top dog i guarantee you he didn't send that letter to those people he sent it to the peons who were paying you know 50 bucks 100 bucks stuff like that he views them as peons i don't do you think he sent that letter to tom mendoza you know what i'm saying like people like him heck no heck no well tom mendoza halfway called the process a failure Sean, by he did that on Wednesday. Yes, you don't think if 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 by Wednesday you don't think if there was a, a a legitimate thing to do that they wouldn't have told Tom. Tom would have been the first person to go out there and say, "Hey, this isn't on Notre Dame." He would have defended him, rightfully so. And I and I they told me, "Hey, this is what really happened." And I said, "Hey, look, we got the original story wrong. They didn't do that. They put right. out this, and the story kept changing. It kept changing over and over and over." First, it was, you know, he's not our guy. Marcus likes people better. Then it was, well, the buyout was too much. We didn't want to pay that much for it. We didn't have, we didn't want to reset the market. Oh, but then we did want to reset the market. The agent lied to us. I mean, there's been all these different things. It's just like, just stop. Just stop. Just say our bad and move on or don't say anything because it'll go away. But you've now made it worse because now you've insulted your fans with that email you condescended your fans in that email you disrespected the people that are the lifeblood of this or of this football program because hey remember when he kept complaining about how the lost revenue from 2020 remember that where'd the lost revenue come from because they they made more tv money that year than they ever had remember so where'd the lost revenue come from no fans <laughs> there's no fans at the stadium that year no parking, no concessions. Right. So you're hurting financially. Why? Because the fans couldn't be there. You may want to think about that before you start insulting them and call, talking about their misguided, what was it, the misguided passion. Misguided Instead passion. Instead of condescending emails. Yes. Right? Because eventually you're going to get them to say, F it, I'm out. And that's, you don't want to be there. And it's not fair to Marcus Freeman and the rest of those guys and the guys that are putting in the blood, sweat, and tears to make this team a championship team to have to deal with this crap. Because now we're not talking about them. We're talking about this crap. And that's what frustrates me. Brandon Plunger said, what's the biggest issue with Notre Dame football program that you'd personally like to see upgraded or fixed immediately? Recovery, rehab facilities, nutrition program, more support staff, something else. You got a thought on that, Sean? Because to me, it's, it's, it's everything. It's all encompassing. You got to start somewhere. And I think the somewheres for me are, are the are the the parts of it that the greatest impact the, the student athletes on a day to day basis. So for me, the first big project that I would have would be just repairing all the things that are, maybe aren't working in the in the goog. That can be done, but for me, it's the nutrition program number one, and then enhancing sort of the 
the mental health program and, and, and aspects of the football program and the athletics program number two. Those would be the first two things that I think you can do like right now. Yeah. Like right now you can do those things yeah. and commit to it. And if you're really serious about – like here's the thing. If you don't want to pay top dollar for assistant coaches, I think that's dumb, but I get it. You don't want to do the NIL thing. I'm with it. You don't want to do the lowering academic standards. I'm with it. Why are you not willing to commit? Why Why does Notre Dame – you don't want to get into an arms race and have the crazy facilities. Okay, I understand. Don't agree, but I understand. But now you're going to tell me you're not willing to make sure that your 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 athletes don't have the absolute best nutrition program, food program, all those. What's your excuse for not spending money on that? There's no excuse for that other than we just don't want to. That's it. Why do you not have the best nutrition program in the country? Those things that are student athlete oriented are absolutely the things that Notre Dame should prioritize, and they don't. Mental health nutrition, recovery, academic support system, all those things should be absolutely the best in the country. You don't want to pay twice as much for an indoor facility to make sure it's as good as Bama's. I don't care. Fine. They have a practice field and it's good. It's fine. But those other things should flat out be better than any best in the country. And there's no justification that you can make for not investing the money in those things. Coaching staff salary and all the things that go to supporting your support staff are all things that Notre Dame should take more pride in saying we're going to do top dollar to make sure we have the best of the best because those are the things that most directly affect the student athletes on an every single day basis. Nutrition, mental health, coaching, strength, all those things. No excuse not to have those be at the very top. No excuse. No excuse. In that email, he literally told recruits, if you come here, you're at a fiscal disadvantage. That's what he said. We're not willing to match our competitors in expenditures. So now we're not willing to make you feel better. We're not willing to help you recover better. We're not willing to make sure that you have enough strength and energy, not only in weightlifting and training, but making sure that your nutrition connects with that. Because nutrition is just as important as what they go through with Matt Bayless. They work hand in hand. They work hand in hand. Look, if you don't want to build something that's new, state of the art, that's not only going to support the football team, but the lacrosse team, the baseball team, the women's basketball team. Like, it's for everyone. Yeah, everyone will focus on Notre Dame football, but you build it for everyone. You don't think Neil Ivey can recruit better and have a better team with a better facility? You don't think Mike Bray and his players wouldn't appreciate it? But that's beneath them. That's the view. That, that's, we're an academic institution. So what you're saying is you only strive for excellence in some aspects of your institution. Got it. Got it. Good to know. Good to know. I'm glad to know that. You only strive for excellence in certain aspects of it. Okay. All right. Gotta, and it shows. That out. It shows. It shows that, that that's exactly what they do. Right. And And I promise you, I promise you, if they made a pitch to their donors, here's the thing that – so many of the donors in Notre Dame love the football program. And they love the – and more importantly, they love the young men in the program. Mm-hmm. If you went to them and said, hey, 
we need to make sure we are the best in the country at these. Somebody just said it, mind, body, and soul stuff in their name. For our student, we need to make sure that we have the best mind, body, and soul. Uh, Michael Park said that great, great way of saying that. That's your pitch. And we need an operating budget of $10 million to do this. Maybe it's more, maybe it's less. I'm just throwing out a big number. I promise you they could get that money raised pretty quickly. If you said it's for the sports programs and we'll start with football, but it's going to extend to all the others. They could, Sean, they could raise that money pretty easily. <laughs> you don't have to tell me. Yeah. If you made the pitch, it's about the young people. Yeah. It, the, the, the donors at Notre Dame are awesome. They would do that in a heartbeat, a heartbeat. They would support that to, to your point. Niall's out here doing this. Hey, let's help her out. And then here's the thing. Then the building can come later, Sean, when yeah. your team start winning more championships because you're not going to win championships because you have a great building. You, you're going to have a better chance of winning championships because your players are, are peak mental, physical shape, which they're not right now. Because you're now handcuffing Matt Bayless a little bit because now this teaching class thing is awesome. I love it. And, and I think it's a great team building thing. But the reality is, is they should have every meal prepared for them, if we're being honest. Heck should. yeah. This Absolutely. happens in other big-time programs, right? Like, how do you – look, how do you watch – if you're on YouTube, uh, if you're on YouTube, just go pull up Alabama and the barbershop and the facilities and everything that they have. Watch what Deion Sanders is, is making Colorado change right. immediately. And what he's adding or trying to add out there. He's like, if you're going to compete, these are the things that you have to do. You flat out have to do. And the fact that, look, they definitely, is what he said in his email. Yes, you invest in promoting the University of Notre Dame. I, I absolutely see the fruit from that. Yes, you invest in making these young men the most well-rounded on and off the field athletes in the country. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's where it stops. That's where it stops. That's where it stops. Because you mentioned winning national championships. Yep. No. Nothing about what you've done over the last week says anything about winning championships. Saying winning national championships is what you're trying to do. But in the same paragraph, a couple of sentences before that, saying we're not matching the expenditures of our competitors, that doesn't add up. That doesn't, that doesn't add up. You can't realistically, I'm sorry, maybe that was a model 10, 15 years ago that you felt was feasible. Now, in today's game, you're putting your players your coaches and the rest of the program at a disadvantage. You just are. You are. So I don't know what to tell you. Like you said, and that doesn't mean anything because Texas has some of the best facilities in the world when it comes to their football program. And they struggle to win and have struggled to win. Yep. But you know what? They can look their coach in the face and say, hey, you can't, you can't say anything to us. Because you got the facilities, you got the booth, you got the money, you got the TV network. Like, what else do you want? 
You have everything here to win. You haven't gotten it done. Sean, here, here's the other just silly aspect about this. You've got a big apparel deal coming up and a big shoe deal and a big um, TV deal coming up. Yep. It behooves you from a pure business standpoint to invest a little more now in the football program and the, and the various programs, especially, I mean, mainly football, your TV contracts come from your football program. Yes, it behooves you to invest in your program a little bit more now to make sure that you're really good for the next two, three years in the football field, yeah. which then put give you a much bigger bargaining chip when it comes to the TV deal. That's what makes us even stupider. <laughs> you're right. And I purposely said stupider instead of more stupid to show how stupid it is. Yeah. It's just it's an unforced error is really what it comes down to. It's an unforced error and they continue to happen. And there's no reason for it because the money's there if they really fought for it and really made it a priority. The money's there. The donors would all look at the building that they built onto the football stadium. Look at the indoor facility. Look at every project on campus, Notre Dame. Notre Dame, you know Notre Dame's philosophy is we don't build anything until we've raised the money for it. Yet there's always something being built at Notre Dame. Right. The donors do such phenomenal work at Notre Dame. They and the and the the um I, I know I have a good buddy of mine who works in the development office. They are some of the hardest working people on campus. And they the crap they have to eat because of things that people above them do is amazing. And yet they still meet their goals every single time. Because the Notre Dame donors, which is a, a lot of alums, it's also the Subway alum. But the big donors are mostly Notre Dame grads, mostly. And they love their institution. They love the football program and they love the sports programs. And if you ask them, if, you know, if you ask them, they would, they would give you what you need, but you got to ask them. And that's crazy. That's the thing that's frustrating about it. You know what yeah. I mean? And somebody, Mike, Matt said they spent $400 billion for the crossroads project. They didn't spend it. They didn't spend that. They raised $400 million for the crossroads project. That's the difference. And, and, and guess what? They stepped up. The donor class stepped up once again. And they would do it for the sports programs too, especially football. They flat out would. But the people that make those decisions aren't, aren't, don't, haven't made it a priority. Because, Sean, if it was a priority, it'd be done. Like the whole yeah. comment Brian Kelly made about the chef, it's a stupid <clears throat> comment. You're blaming somebody else for things. But he wasn't wrong that that's a need. My yes. argument was that's not what kept you from winning. Right. You right. kept you from winning. You being gone for half the year kept you from winning. You keeping Brian Van Gorder on staff for three years kept you. You had a national championship roster in 2015. And you pissed that away. Not the chef, not the lack of a chef. You know what I'm saying? Oh, You're the one that called Tommy Roll, Reese to run, do a rollout and throw the ball in the end zone against Tulsa instead of kicking a field goal. You know what I mean? Like that's on you, not the chef. That's You're the one that moment. ran decided to run a jet sweep in the inside the five yard line against Northwestern with to Chris Brown, who never carried the ball before. You're the one that decided to go for two when you were up 11 against Northwestern, not the chef, right? That's on you. However, it doesn't mean that things that 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 he would use as excuses weren't legitimate excuse. There's no reason for Notre Dame not to have the best nutrition program in the country, meaning nutrition, meaning. We know what they their bodies need. We're going to make sure they have the supplements they need. They're going to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner provided for them by the institution. Think about the money they make. 
this what the, what that football program makes for this university everything that they need to have the best of the best and i don't give a rip about facilities sean i'm not talking about that yes you should have good facilities but i don't need to have a building just as big and great as alabama's it'd be nice but that comes next well that that's their there's excuse. no excuse not to do the first part that, that's that serves, my thing that doesn't serve the purpose right it's about location you're right it does i I don't need you to chase Bama. I don't need you to give us everything to the exact centimeter that they have when it comes to putting a building together or edifice together. That's not what we're asking. We're asking for quality within the program. You need to improve the quality of the program. Right. It's bigger than a building. Improve the quality of the program. Winning We'll take care of the building. Like you pointed out, Brian, you can improve the quality of the program now. Right. You can improve what you already have now. If what you have currently is not at an elite level, come on. Improve yep. that. Right. Be consistent in that. And then build on top of that. That's about building up the young people. Absolutely. It allows them to pay it, play at peak physical, mental condition. And if you're not prioritizing that, prioritizing that, everything else that you say you're about is baloney. And we've talked about that for a while, Sean. This isn't yeah. new for us because we're mad about what happened this week. This is just no. further evidence of it. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.